0: Hey, green future growers. Welcome to season four. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Byer. I'm here to help you create, grow, and enjoy your own organic oasis. I hope you'll subscribe for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. on, Just so I don't forget, they actually were shutting me off like at the beginning of January, like the first three interviews I did all in a row, all that we had like, go out of the meeting and go back in but they the last couple i've done i haven't had that problem anyway lisa i do have another interview starting in an hour so and i know you are super busy um you've probably done a million podcasts but i just wanted to let you know it is super easy to edit so if you need to do anything you know get a cup of coffee or you know go to the bathroom dogs out like don't worry or or a lot of people like they want to think about something like don't hesitate to put me on hold or whatever. And um, do you have any questions for me?
1: No, I don't. I think I'm good.
0: Okay. Here we go. Then we're recording. Okay. Welcome to the green organic garden. It is Friday, March 4th, 2022 already. We're into March garden seasons about to get into full roll. And um, I have a guest who is back on the line. She was here Back on episode 139, back in May of 2016, and she is here from Fresh Eggs Daily to talk about her new cookbook, The Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook: Over 100 Fabulous Recipes to Use Eggs in Unexpected Ways. And let me tell you, this book is full of just mouth-watering. I mean, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I want to make this and I want to make that. There's even a recipe on how to make your own marshmallows and um I don't want to say that the desserts are they're just there's so many great I guess I started at the back and went towards the front (laughs) for some reason just because that's the book was on my lap but there's so many just delicious looking easy to make recipes in here so um I'll be quiet and welcome back to the show Lisa thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today
1: I can't believe it's been that long 2016 that's that's a lot of years I
0: know it's crazy, right? I celebrated my seventh anniversary of my podcast this year in
1: January. Wow. Great. Congratulations.
0: Well, thank you. So I do have a lot of new listeners since then. So why don't you go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about your backstory. If you guys have not been to Lisa's blog, it is the absolute best resource on anything you want to know about chickens. Like I learned so much from you. I've, I've, when we had our chickens last I put um oregano in their cages to help help them feel calmer and just your chicken like looking at your pictures and learning that a chicken coop didn't have to be like this messy nasty thing I learned so much from you your place is so beautiful (laughs) and then the other thing I'm writing a book about a couple who moved to Maine I didn't realize you were in Bing or Maine like they moved to a place called Ripley. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's like because we we're looking at this farm in Ripley. Like we we're literally going to move there, and so I've been doing all this research on Maine. So I'm like so much more excited to talk to you today. But anyway, I'm going to be quiet. I'm even going to mute my mic and uh, and let you go from there.
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So back in 2016, we had moved to Maine the previous year. We were in Virginia for a lot of years and got chickens. I guess a couple years before we ended up moving to Maine. So we already had the chickens and we brought them with us to Maine, but I've spent the last 12 years, I guess, writing blog posts and doing social media and talking about chickens and how to raise chickens, a lot about gardening, a lot about feeding chickens herbs and edible flowers and things like that to keep them healthy naturally without using pesticides things like that almost like when you have your own garden you don't want to be spraying it with all kinds of nasty chemicals that kind of defeats the purpose of having your own garden with vegetables in it so same with the chickens i've tried to do yes. everything naturally and i wrote six books on different chicken related topics including gardening with chickens which probably is what i was talking about last time with you because i think that had just come out last time we talked so i talked about keeping your garden safe from your chickens and then also things you can plant for them and it's been really fun but in the last two years I guess right before COVID started I started working on a cookbook which had sort of been like a bucket list slash pipe dream slash never thought this really could happen kind of thing but it did and I'm super excited I'm excited about the response to it because people are really interested in a lot of the things about eggs because I find eggs super fascinating and there's a lot of information about eggs how to tell if they're fresh and the difference between brown and white eggs and different cooking tips and things like that and people who are talking about the book are really picking up on that stuff which I think is fun in addition to talking about some of the recipes so it was it was sort of a a pivot for me at a weird time because so many people started raising chickens when COVID was starting. Kind of the same reasons we saw back in 2000, yeah. 2009, you know, recession, a lot of people out of work, not really sure where your food's coming from or how expensive things you're going to get. But I just didn't have really anything else to say about chickens because I had said it all. And I've got- I was just I mean, going to
0: say, that's because
1: you said it all. Because right, you're I have really like, like 600 blog posts and in fact speaking of which because my blog it it has been around for over a decade and some of my older posts are just really bad so i've spent a lot of the last two years instead of creating new content just kind of cleaning up fixing up updating some of my original content which really is the good stuff it's the foundation you know i don't want to just keep coming up with things to write about just for the sake of creating content so i thought it was of more value to go back and really update and work on some of those older posts and i know i'm happy because now i don't cringe when i pull one up to share the link with somebody or something
0: well good for you because that's not always easy to do but it's true and it and it's also important like people maybe aren't going to go back and look at that content and it's important to make sure that they see because you like i said you have such a comprehensive um website and so much information and your books are so valuable and just there's so much I had no idea like when I talked to you last time I probably like didn't even know I would ever love a chicken or want to hold I didn't even hold the chickens like we had chickens for 20 something years and my husband they were like his realm I didn't want to have anything to do with it because I felt they were being abused in our like giant pen that they have but to me I was a, I am just like <laughs> not the kind of person that wants to keep something in pen. I was just like well why well, can't they go out in the forest during the day and he was always like it keeps them safe they need to be and I just always argued with him and he was so right and then we actually had a grizzly bear go through and like attack our pen but we had two chickens that survived and one of them I called him little eagle and she would like he or she I don't know because she did eventually get eaten but she would like sit on my shoulder and like watch me like while I was on the computer or when I was painting or when I was reading and she would like I just had no idea how much I would love a chicken and and that's funny I know it is so funny because all those years that I just I would barely even go down there like I didn't feed them I didn't help I didn't have anything to do with them I other than eating the eggs so I do always start the show asking about your very first gardening experience like were you a kid were you an adult who were you with like where did you start growing gardening
1: the the earliest I can remember I, I mean I know that we did have a garden because my mom would cook you know broccoli or or peas or beans or spinach or whatever for dinner that we got from the garden i remember her going out with her colander to pick whatever but my personal earliest garden experience was i had a pet rabbit and so i wanted to plant carrots for the rabbit so i remember my mom made a little garden just for me and I mean, honestly, this thing must've been like a foot square. It really wasn't very big at all, but we turned it all over. And then I (laughs) planted my carrot seeds and I grew my carrots for my rabbit. And I was so proud that when I finally had the carrots that I could feed to my bunny, that I had grown them myself. But I mean, honestly, this, this garden was tiny. I think my mom knew my limits and that I would be overwhelmed if the garden was too big, but I had, I had the idea that I wanted to grow carrots for my pet rabbit.
0: Is so awesome for listeners to hear, and maybe they'll try that for their kids because <laughs> even like for adults, it can be overwhelming. But that is a great way to get kids in, invested in growing their own food without the kids getting like, oh, I don't want to have to go out and you know, weed out whole like weed the, thing. Or
1: it's a literal square foot garden, you know, it was probably like the very first <laughs> square foot garden.
0: That's awesome. So, uh,
1: what's next? I don't know. (laughs) No, actually, I mean, I've been so busy. My my cookbook just came out on February 15th and the amount of promotion and media and that kind of stuff that I've been doing has been just super crazy. So I do have some travel planned. Things fortunately are starting to open up a little bit because I've been doing a lot of Zoom, a lot of podcasts, things like that. But I'm excited to go out and do some in-person events, travel a little bit. So like short term, six months, probably that's what I'm going to be focused on.
0: So do you want to tell us about some of the like things in the book? Like what is the difference between a brown and a white egg? Or how do you tell if an egg is fresh?
1: I can. Yeah, people, for some reason, the perception is that brown eggs are fresher. You know, they come from a farm or whatever. And in reality, it's really just a breed of chicken. Different chickens lay different color eggs. So on the inside, they're no different nutritionally or how they taste, the taste is going to be based on what that chicken is eating. And what was the second question? I forget now. (laughs) I have like no brain power. Oh, how to tell if an egg is fresh. (laughs) The easiest way to tell if an egg is fresh is just to take it and put it into a glass of water. And if it sinks to the bottom, it's super fresh. And then as the egg ages, air starts to get in through the pores in the eggshell. And that'll cause the egg to start to rise up the from the bottom of the glass and it's still, you know, fine to eat it's just the egg is getting older and eventually the egg will float when there's enough air in it it doesn't mean the egg is bad but it's so old that I probably would just toss it at that point
0: man you just really have everything in here how to crack and separate eggs the temperature beating eggs Um, egg safety, general cooking tips. How about poaching an egg, scrambling eggs? How about uh, some of the recipes? Do you want to get into some of your favorite recipes in here?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I did try to put a variety, some things that I cook all the time and and they're just kind of family favorites. Other things that I just felt like they needed to be in an egg cookbook, something like a pound cake or an angel food cake where eggs really are the star. Most of the recipes don't have a ton of ingredients. I think if you use really fresh, good ingredients you know, that's all you really need. I, you know, I don't think there's anything super weird in there that, that people like are going to be able to find. You can make these
0: because you're going to have almost everything in there. I can't wait to try the fried eggs with the apricot jam and goat
1: cheese. That sounds so good. It's That's kind of one of the weirder combinations, but it works, you know. It, and I wanted to do things there. I had read a bunch of other egg cookbooks and, you know, flipped through them and trying to figure out what I wanted to put in my book. And a lot of them really were just recipes that had an egg on top. And to me, like, you can figure that out yourself, (laughs) you know, make a salad if you want, put an egg on top or make hash, put an egg on top. So I didn't really feel like that was something that I wanted to do, but I really tried to come up with recipes where the egg was a super important part of it, but there were other flavors that just went really well with the egg and things that weren't going to take forever to make either. You know, people don't have hours and hours to, to be making dinner. For example, but
0: they're so they look so yummy these photos are amazing like the one with the squash where like the eggs in the middle like a little nest and just um they uh what is it baked eggs and butternut squash rings those just look so delicious but yet like you said simple and there's not a lot of ingredients you've got homemade pasta in here egg lemon soup um broccoli cheddar tarts Oh, there's just so many. (laughs) And I I didn't
1: I didn't want to write a farm to table cookbook, which is what, what my editor first he didn't think that an egg cookbook would really sell or there would be enough recipes for it. And I stood my ground. I did not want to write a farm to table because that's been done and done and done a million times. And I didn't also want to organize the book seasonally because that's also been done over and over again. But obviously certain recipes are going to be more for winter, like the beet hash or the butternut squash rings, things like that, that are using the root vegetables, you know, whereas maybe the asparagus omelet or the rhubarb clafouti, like those are things that are the spring vegetables, you know, so people can figure it out when you have something in season, see if there's a recipe for it or that uses it.
0: Or the fig French toast. Oh my goodness. So many just, uh, just just ones. So Uh, who did, did you take these pictures or who did like, how did that come together? Did they come to your house and take, or did you go to a studio? I mean, these pictures are just gorgeous. They They are gorgeous. I was really lucky.
1: They had a couple of photographers that, you know, they suggested that might work. And so I looked at their work and I looked at their websites and there was one who was in Connecticut who it really appealed to me because it was last year. It was during COVID and I really was dying to get out of the house. We had all just gotten vaccinated So I was able to drive down to the photo shoot for two weeks and we shot in her studio with five people. I guess there was a photographer, her assistant who like ironed the props and, you know, got the bowls and dishes and stuff. And then there was a woman who was actually making the food and then somebody styled it. And then they had someone who was kind of like offsite and she would take a bunch of recipes and a bunch of ingredients and go and make them at her house or whatever, and then come back. Things like the sprinkles of marshmallows that didn't have to be photographed immediately when they were done, she could go and do and then bring back a bunch mm. of things, you know to photograph. so it that was one of the most fun parts of the whole process, honestly.
0: I'll bet you live such an exciting life.
1: So do <laughs> you want to top- sit here in Maine, wrapped in a blanket, drinking coffee because it's freezing out. <laughs>
0: that's one of the crazy things like when we were looking at that farmhouse in ripley like i actually paid somebody to go like take pictures and everything and i thought like because it was 175 acres with these two with the farmhouse and the cabin on it and an orchard it it was just the most perfect property and um but i wanted him to go like drive around and show it and like he gets there at the end of april it's almost may and there's so much snow they can't drive anywhere he couldn't dig up the soil you know it was just it was just the craziest thing
1: so we we bought our house sorry not to drop but we just kind of similar we looked online and we found our house and thought we would like it and my husband came up twice to look at it and for the closing i did, ended up not coming up because we had you know animals to take care of in virginia so kind of bought it sight unseen although he had seen it twice we actually bought um, tractor attachments that we didn't even know we had bought because they were buried under the snow and we didn't even know they were there until all the <laughs> snow melted in the spring so we got like a we got like a pole digger and a um one of those things that like it's a barrel and it like flattens like driveways or whatever all kinds of cool stuff buried under the snow
0: awesome like a steamroller
1: type of thing yeah uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so what did grow well last year in mean?
1: You know, I do. Well, it's really funny because you can grow almost anything you can grow elsewhere. It's just a matter of timing. We have a super short growing seasons. We have like barely 100 days frost free, but the days are so long because we're so far north that once stuff starts going, it grows really, really fast. So I've grown sweet potatoes, which I didn't think I would be able to grow. I've grown cantaloupe, watermelon, I can't grow the big full-size ones, but I can grow the minis and they're fine. You know, the chickens love them. But really, the only things I really grow well are root vegetables, like beets, sweet potatoes, garlic, radishes. I do really well with all that kind of stuff. Everything else, the bugs or the deer or the chickens usually get to before I do.
0: How interesting. So how about something that didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to?
1: Pretty much everything other than the garlic, beets, radishes. Oh, I do carrots. I do carrots well. Um, yeah, you know, there's for such a short growing season and such a cold place, there are an awful lot of bugs, and I don't use, you know, any kind of pesticides or herbicides or anything on the garden. So it's a matter of like hand picking the bugs or all that. And I just, you know, the weeds just get like the best of me. I I just don't. And the timing was was rough, you know, in Virginia, if we didn't have our garden, like at least the peas and stuff planted by February, it was too late because by June, everything would have burnt up in the heat. But here we I mean, you can't plant till Mother's Day. And usually that's even kind of early, you know, because you can get hit with a frost. I got basil in and then we got a late frost and I lost all my basil last year. So the timing is is tough.
0: Well, I'm in Northwest Montana and we have, I rarely ever even put basil outside because we can get a frost any, I mean, pretty much any day of the year. There's like two weeks in July where maybe we're safe, but we've had a frost on August 8th before. We wow. had frost last year, I think at the end of August and, and our dates are um, like for outside planning without a frost is like June 4th through uh September the first week in September usually and then everything else has to be either covered or you know in the greenhouse so it's super short but then it's like it's like you you know we have really long days so it's like amazing because you'll like look at the corn it seems like it grows like three inches right before your eyes or like things just grow really like it's amazing how much the difference will be between one day and the next day
1: it so really how,
0: about, how about something you're excited to try that you haven't tried before? I mean, I know you've been on it for a while, but anything new you're going to put in the ground this year?
1: Yeah, I want to actually uh, try planting bok choy because our geese, I just found out by accident, we, have a, we had a baby bok choy that I wasn't using and I gave it to them and they loved it. So we found out that our geese love bok choy. So I'm going to try growing that. I heard from some people who do grow it in northern climates. So I figure... It's worth a try. Do you want to talk about that at all? Growing food for your animals? Most of what I grow ends up going to them, honestly. I mean, fortunately, they don't care if stuff is like half eaten by bugs or, you know, has gone a little bit too far, but I do grow tons of leafy greens, kale and spinach and all kinds of lettuces for them. I mean, it really saves on their food bill, you know, and then I grab a little for us, And they pretty much get everything else that, you know, if I grow cucumbers, I'll pick out like the two or three that look really great for us. And then they'll get the rest of them. I mean, they'll they'll happily eat almost anything. So, you know, whatever I'm going to grow in the the garden for us to eat, they're going to be happy to share. How many chickens do you have? We have 18 chickens, 10 ducks and two geese. What's the difference between a duck and a goose? Um, Well, they're different animals. So the the geese are bigger. We've only had geese for about three years, but I was surprised because I thought they would be more like the ducks. The ducks are very much like the chickens, you know, like they live together. They kind of eat the same things, whatever. But the geese turned out to be more like cows or sheep. I mean, they literally just want to graze all day. They just want to eat grass. If you put out food, they're not really interested, they just want to walk around and eat grass all day long. So it's like having, you know, like a cow in the backyard now, which is really odd because I didn't expect that. Do you have any recipes in the book for eating geese and duck eggs? I, eggs? I, I do talk a bit about the ratios. I mean, basically, you can use them the same way you'd use chicken eggs. I mean, most recipes all recipes pretty much in this country are written for chicken eggs but a chicken egg has about three tablespoons of egg in it so if you you know whisk up a chicken egg it's going to be about three tablespoons so if you want to use duck eggs or goose eggs or quail eggs or turkey eggs or whatever you have you could just whisk it up and measure out equivalents and then you can just substitute them in any recipe awesome
0: um So this is kind of the part of the show we call getting to the root of things. So do you have like a least favorite activity that you have to force yourself to get to go out and do in the garden?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, I love planning. I love like this time of year, sketching out the garden. I love looking through the seed catalogs and picking them out and ordering my seeds and everything. Planting, I'm I'm pretty cool with. And then that's about it. I pretty much lose interest in the weeding, the maintaining. All that stuff. I'm, I'm more of a, a creator of the garden, and I really need someone to maintain my garden for me. So, who does that? Your husband? No, nobody. So it just grows out of control, <laughs> and then the chickens eat it all. Oh my God, I, mean, I, I love all of that because I I don't like bare spots, you know. So I I crowd things because they look good, you know, immediately or sooner. Especially if I'm planting seedlings, you know, I want everything to look nice immediately so I don't leave enough space between things and then stuff gets crowded out and yeah but no nobody maintains it it just becomes a disaster and then I vow that I'm not going to have a garden the next year and then the following winter I'm you know busily drawing sketches and planning what I'm going to plant
0: uh what's the best gardening advice you've ever
1: received um to think, I actually took the mess the main master gardener program from the um extension that you made up here, which was a really really wonderful program. I did learn a lot from that, but I think the thing I learned that is the most important is soil testing. Like, before you even put a seed in the ground, you got to know what you're planting in. And having your soil tested and then, you know, doing something about it before the season starts to get that soil to be what you need it to grow stuff makes a huge difference. And I think a lot of people overlook that.
0: Do you have a good resource for where you get your
1: soil tested? Yeah, we do. UMaine has a really wonderful extension service and they have, like, they're at all the, um, like the home shows and the homing garden fairs and things like that. They things are. at the Civic Center, they always have tables and um, they, you know, they hand out the soil testing kits and everything.
0: Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Well, man, that was one of the things that attracted us because is it is it MOGFA, the Maine Organic Farm yes. and Garden Association is so awesome. And then it was really, uh, my husband was just interested, like they were saying that they were, you know, um, environmentally like, going for like alternative energy and just there was all sorts of cool things in the political spectrum that he was like check out farms in maine and the first farm i look at was just like this huge five-bedroom farmhouse like i was like that could be the education center and it had like a cabin and i was like we could live in the cabin and we could like hold these classes and we could have interns and they could come help do all the work and i don't know anyway we didn't buy it i'm sometimes i'm totally still rerunning it <laughs> So I'm reading you know, about like it. what would have happened if we did buy it is really what the book's all about. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> like I have like
0: pictures of all of it and like I I think about like if I was going to redo it like what would the wallpaper look at like I watch tons of HGTV on like remodels and trying to figure out what that would look like and all the farm problems I'm always looking up like what kind of challenges do people have when they're trying to you know develop a market farm and I don't know it's um it's an interesting story we'll see if it ever gets
1: finished interesting no that the the, that magfa is super super active um they're they have a fair every year and maine actually in this last election just um voted the right to farm into the constitution which i was thrilled about because there was a lot of money behind put a push to get it voted down and they were they were just Like basically making up stuff and saying, "Well, if you you know vote for this, it's going to be horrible because." But it was really just the big farmers, you know, the the big ag and all that kind of stuff that were trying to block it. But people didn't fall for it, and they passed it. So now in the constitution of Maine is that you have the right to raise and grow your own food, which is awesome.
0: That is super awesome.
1: Yeah, because like there's laws
0: in places where like you can't prep or you can't keep like. A years worth of food like people don't even realize like some of the crazy yeah. laws we have out there you can't
1: like grow vegetables in your front yard or yeah, yeah. craziness <laughs> i was i was thrilled that not only was it passed like you know just as a law but it actually got written into the state constitution which is that's pretty huge so that it's is definitely huge. a good place to live for raising animals growing gardens doing all that kind of stuff yeah. but, i mean prepping we prep every fall i mean i'm sure you do too I'm sure everyone in Maine preps every September because you never know when there's going to be a blizzard and you won't be able to get out. So we all have pantries full of food that whether we've, you know, grown and canned ourselves or just stocked up or whatever. So I think I mean there's always a bit of prepping involved when you live in a harsh climate. You know, there has to be.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't go to like the main town frequently like I'll usually go like down to like the biggest city is 65 miles away like once a season. Mm -hmm. um you know like four times a year like I just finally went and returned our Christmas presents the other day uh (laughs) how about a favorite tool if you had to move and could only take one tool with you what could you not live without
1: oh wow um if I said my tractor with all the attachments would that be cheating
0: (laughs) no that's totally (laughs) totally you're not the first one to say their tractor and uh I'm curious about like, what about in the kitchen? Like, do you have like, is it like a whisk or like, are there any, is there anything you can tell us about a whisk that maybe we would want to know? Like, that makes one whisk better than another?
1: You know, that's interesting. So, I'm not a big fan of kitchen appliances or implements. You know, like, I don't have a bread machine. I don't have an Instapot. I don't have a crock pot. I don't like, I use pots and pans and whisks. I do have a KitchenAid mixer because like, who doesn't, right? But yeah, I don't like a bunch of things all over the counter or in my cabinets that I only use for one thing. So I find that a nice Dutch oven, you know, has so much more use and and it just, it's more convenient, I guess, just to have that. And it does a bunch of different things, but yeah, whisks are important. I mean, there are, you know, certain whisks for bread, um, you know, just a regular whisk for eggs, which is really, really important if you have like enameled or other nonstick obviously you need some kind of silicone whisk that's not going to scratch everything um yeah i'd say i'd say a whisk is is probably the most important i mean other than you know just like spoons and ladles and stuff i that's probably the thing i use the most do you have a wood stove mm-hmm. do you
0: cook we on your wood stove? like with the dutch oven like i use my dutch oven on the wood stove a lot
1: um I know, I use it more the warmth to get bread to rise. Um, Oh, sure. You know, because the -hmm. the rest of our house is pretty cold because, you know, the wood stove does heat like the main living area. But um, this is so embarrassing, but I make grilled cheese on the wood stove all the time. That's like my go-to. Why is that
0: embarrassing?
1: (laughs) Well, because I don't know, (laughs) like write a cookbook and then make grilled cheese on the wood stove. But I mean, it's (laughs) you just stick it on a piece of tinfoil and like let it do its thing. And I mean, it just makes like, the best grilled cheese, so crispy, crunchy, buttery, love it. <laughs> so
0: my next question is like, what is your favorite recipe to cook from the garden? And it, it could be egg related or it could be something else.
1: Um, well, I, I, I definitely love eggs Benedict, you like a good hollandaise sauce and a poached egg. You can't beat that. But I think mm. honestly, I mean, I love making pesto or chimichurri you know, like with a bunch of different herbs and just kind of playing around with different flavors, different nuts, you know, even different cheeses. I think that like a good pesto and a fresh tomato and some fresh mozzarella, it sounds so cliche, but like I I live for that in the summer.
0: No, I totally love that too. How about a favorite internet resource? Where do you find yourself surfing on the web?
1: I mean, I try to stay off as much as possible because I have to be on so much for just what I do, like for, you know, my own brand yes. and everything. But honestly, I was using the UMaine um, poultry science department resources, articles and stuff, even oh. before we moved to Maine, because they just have such a comprehensive um, collection of information. You know, I'm I just always try to go to like a dot edu or a scientific site or something, you know, to figure that I'm getting good information sure Um, but yeah they have the Humane has just a really great great website for gardening and for chicken i mean just everything
0: how about a favorite reading material like a book or a magazine
1: um i used to read all the chicken magazines and then it just was on repeat you know, like every spring, it would be how to raise chicks and what to do about a broody hen. And every fall, it would be like, why are my chickens losing their feathers? You know, after a while, you just you like, you know, all the stuff, you know, so I don't really subscribe to those anymore. Um, oh, for reading, I mean, I try to read for enjoyment. So it's a lot of fiction. You know, I feel like I do so much research online, just in the course of a day that to like, in the evenings, start reading nonfiction. I think my brain would just explode. Um, <laughs> but every Me once sure. in a while, there's like I a, totally you know a gardening book a ton. Yeah.
0: Um. <clears throat>
1: because,
0: yeah, I'm the same way. I've been working from home since the pandemic. I was in the last time I was in the classroom was March 2020, and then after finishing out that year, and then I've just been working virtually, mostly for podcasters. I do a little tutoring online but yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, I just totally am into reading tons of books. I've read more in the last two years, I think, than in the other 50 something years of my life combined. <laughs> I mean, I just really live at the library. Um, you know, who's got a great book club is Reese
1: Witherspoon. Like I, I found just gonna great
0: titles from her. Um, I just did you started
1: read- the new one and I don't remember the name of it now. Um, I just started it last night, the one that she just recommended. And I, I, the name completely escapes me.
0: Did you read the one Uh, from scratch by Tembi Walk about the, she goes to, she marries a a guy from Sicily and and he dies of cancer and her and her daughter go back and she becomes, she builds like this bond with his mother. It's it's really good. Um, Oh, okay. She's like a famous actress from Texas. And it's just an interesting... I don't know. I I my family's from Sicily, so it um it just like was pretty interesting to me from that perspective. But it's got a lot of. She's got great recipes in the back of that book, and just it's it's all about like family. Like her, you know, his family was like, "What are you doing, marrying American?" You know, and and all this stuff, and just you know the and and the way they heal their relationship and things, and and having a daughter who's nine who loses her dad, and just um, anyway
1: interesting Um, yeah no I will definitely keep that one in mind I I I, I've read I
0: think I've read she's had 40 something books and I've read 16 of them now and I think there have been two that I couldn't make it through and the rest of them have all been like some of the best books I've ever read like I I really love her book club anyway uh well Before I get to my final question, and then you can tell everybody how to get a hold of you, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you did want to mention
1: today? No, I don't think so. I mean, I just encourage everybody to raise a garden, grow chickens. You know, it's it's not a bad way of life, that's for sure. So my
0: final question it's kind of a doozy if there's one change you'd like to see to create a greener world lisa what would it be for example is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action like what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment either locally nationally or on a global scale
1: you know it's interesting because living here in Maine in the woods, like you said, you know, on acres and acres having chickens. Um, we're very conscious of the wildlife and what's out there. And, you know, they're they're here in Maine, they're trying to limit coyote hunting and protect the coyotes. But meanwhile, the coyotes do such damage to the deer population. So it's such a balance between everything and and trying not to really get too involved with nature and let nature take its course, but then step in when you need to, you know, a lot of times when they'll Uh, introduce a non-native species, whether it's a plant or an animal to an area to control something, they create like a worse problem. So I think that that is something that I think we, as as a country or a world should really be conscious of and try not to mess with things as much as we can. Because I do think that nature does take care of itself for the most part. As long as we don't step in and mess it up, if that makes sense.
0: That totally makes sense. That's why we're having our huge bear problem that we're having where we live. Like we had chickens for almost 30 years, a good 20 something years with our same chicken house and never had a problem. And then in the last two years, we've had grizzly bears come in and just tear it apart and tear it apart. And they finally ripped the whole back wall up. And now we have to like come up with an electric fence system and I think a lot of it is because first they, you know, killed all the grizzly bears and they were on the endangered species list and then they brought them back. And now I'm not going to say that it's overpopulated, but we have and, and also because of where we live, they're bringing bears from other places here. And now we have a lot of bears and, you know, and so now we're having these problems and also like so many people have moved in here with their chickens and they're doing the free range chickens and i think the bears have gotten the taste for chickens whereas before and so yeah we're having the same and then you know we're going through it with the wolves and just um yeah we are very similar and so it's like you know you have to really think about what are you what are you doing when you you know make
1: these decisions So, exactly. And I think a lot of them in the past have been bad. So, hopefully, in the future, they'll really think about what they're releasing where and what it's going to do to the ecosystem that's already there.
0: Yeah. And how's it going to work 10 years down the line Mm -hmm. or 20 years down the line? Lisa, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I just love your cookbook. Thank you for sending me a copy. And I hope listeners will get a copy. And when they love it, they'll leave a five star review on Amazon and check out the other books if you haven't heard of Lisa go back and listen to episode 139 on my show follow her blog um and get get her other books that you can also leave a review on Amazon because that helps other people
1: read them reviews and are just, super uh, important yes
0: <laughs> yeah for sure so do you want to tell listeners to your website and like how they can connect with
1: you yeah, super easy. So fresheggsdaily.com and then my social media, whether Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever is um, at Fresh Eggs Daily. And if you go to either Google or Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy your books and just type in either Lisa Steele or Fresh Eggs Daily, they should all come up. The links are also on my my website. So if you are at all interested in raising chickens or cooking eggs, definitely pick up a book or two.
0: Well, thank you so much for st- sharing with us today. And Steele is S-T-E-E-L-E, Lisa Steele.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Correct. Thank you Have so great much. Have a day. You too.
0: Bye. Bye. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.